So we are coming back live. Haven't done a live video in a little while. I've actually been just producing videos with my Canon camera. Um, that way they upload HD and I can do some, you know, small edits to make you or, or show you some images and visuals of what I'm actually trying to say. Because there's a lot of things that I do share here on the podcast that, you know, are... I mean, considered, you know, questionable or I'm not sure. So what I do with these YouTube videos and in some cases the Facebook videos I've uploaded is I'm actually putting in images and pictures that show exactly what I'm talking about, like what I've actually said and how it's actually true because I have to come up with all this documented evidence to prove what I'm saying, right? Uh, now, I'm doing this live video. I'm actually gonna continue and upload this to my podcast as well. I did a podcast yesterday have not uploaded the video yet, but there is there's going to be a video. It's it's uploaded on my podcast if you're interested in listening to it. It's about preserving innovation, and how just that concept alone is uh, it's so profound because it's what America was built off of was innovation and individualism, and it has gone sort of uh, it's gone a you know astray through the uh, years because. History, as I've mentioned in the description that I have here for the for the uh, Facebook Live video, is that there's all these historians. These are intellectuals, you know. And somebody once quoted these uh, uh, the media as intellectual prostitutes, um, but there are also intellectual prostitutes inside of academia and inside of you know the the history classes and these famous bestseller history books that are made up of lies. I mean, they're made up of a victimhood mentality of America instead of the truth about it. And so that's why we all have to realize that there is a, a reality to how the country was founded and the history of the country and then where we're going today. Uh, and then there is a falsehood and there are fallacies that are riddled through Marxist theory. And um, I was mentioning this already on my Facebook wall, but I said making fun of Joe Biden is is fun and cool and, and it's funny, but you have to understand that that's that's not that's not woke okay that's not actually doing anything we already know the democrats hate joe biden i mean nobody likes joe biden okay and it's just funny that i see people like spending their time attacking him it's like that's not getting anywhere we have to destroy the root cause of the insurrection in the country which is socialism and communism and people just think that it's, you know, it's, oh, that's crazy and that's not real or whatever. Even Democrats in their own circles talk about how, oh, that's just a, that's just a talking point. And it's like, uh, no, actually, those, that is what's happening. You know, even the, uh, the district attorney there in San Antonio was once a Democrat. He was voted out because he wasn't socialist enough. I mean, it's just, it's all, it goes on and on. And a lot of people... You know, they end up, you know, a position where they think socialism is cool. Utopianism is a real thing. It's like it's all it's all a fraud. Uh, it's not a real thing. It's not going to happen the way you think it is. And it's all just a setup by the bank cartel, by the same people who want to kill you, who don't like you, who think you're pathetic. They've set up communism and socialism as a way to construct a workers party to make you think that you're taking things over, but you're really not. You see, because no communist country has survived without a large financier bank cartel backing. Those are facts. Every single communist revolution has been backed by the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, or even uh, the Rothschilds. So it's like, 
What workers' revolution are you talking about? The real history is that bank cartels love communism. They love organizing state structures and monopolies in different countries all over the world. Why wouldn't they? It's the most idiotic thing ever. And people have to realize that this is the true weapon system that is being used against us. And while people are sitting here making fun of Joe Biden and, and just moving on in life, that's not what is we have to literally defeat the ideology. Karl Marx was a couch potato, couch surfing loser intellectual who wrote these 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 monologues and through different papers and essays that became Marxism and Marx theory that created Lenin, that created the Soviet Union, that established the Maoist youth brigades and then the Maoist revolutions in China and now slave slave factories in China. Slavery. The Soviet Union was just killing off people because they disagreed. The damn capitalists had to leave China in order to go to Taiwan because they had to survive. And now Taiwan has a simulation of a Chinese communist invasion every single year. I mean, that's communism. And so people realize people don't realize that that's exactly what's happening now. There's, these are all Maoist tactics that are being used on the country. And so this is a great book. You should all get it. It's, it's going to be a movie very soon. It's, it's by Dinesh D'Souza. He always, he always writes these books and then comes out with movies and documentaries about you know different um, uh, ideas that are going to be important for the country. Uh, and so... Dinesh D'Souza is a great guy. He's an Indian immigrant, actually. He's from India. So uh, it's a very well-known uh, individual. He talks a lot about he, – he debates people all the time. He's always on college campuses and stuff. Um, but I'm actually wanting to read from one of the chapters here in the book. It's, it's the first chapter, actually. And it's so important. So I, I acknowledge, yeah, you know, you've got the revolution happening and stuff. But there's really good questions about, you know, um, where is America going and – is there a future for American ideals and American exceptionalism or are we just going to allow this sort of fervor, this fantasy, this idea of utopianism, you know, uh, stimulate the minds of young people to overthrow the country in some kind of youth, you know, Maoist style, like I've said earlier, Maoist style youth brigades or are we going to stop it and actually paint a vision for the country uh, for the future? And that's what this book does a really good job about. It actually goes back in time and points out very key fundamental ideas that helped found the country that then that that then on created a the most prosperous, most successful people civilization to ever exist on the planet with inventions and innovation. And that was what my podcast was about that I just dropped uh yesterday and so we have to realize that that is what we have to preserve we have to preserve individualism and innovation so that's me ranting i want to read from this book okay so it's called the invention of invention which is the chapter that i'm going through here i highlighted one of this one of these uh sort of uh, marxists who was karl marx's buddy and his name was it was or, or he oh this was an economist Werner Sombart and he he titled a book called Why is there no socialism in the United States this was in 1906 right one of the things he quoted was this his explanation for this was that the american working man had it too good his stomach is too full for him to become a socialist agitator 
In America, in Sombart's words, this is The Economist writing the book, all socialist utopias have come to grief on roast beef and apple pie. So making a really good point here that the working man, the even and, and this is just to say, even the poorest people in America are still considered the most rich in the world. You know, and there there's not going to be a socialist revolution because people just have it too good. Now people are so stupid that they'll have their their iPhones and their technology and all of their products and, and whatever it is that they own, their services, and they'll literally want to overthrow everything still. Even though they have it they have it amazing, like they have it good. There's a lot of problems with crony capitalism in the country and monopolies. For sure, absolutely. I think corporations can can have a real fix, a real change. But to just sit here and say that, like, you know, there's all this oppression everywhere, and we're life it sucks in America. I mean, how do you how do you believe that? That's 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 literally just dumb. And you just can't get dumber. I mean, you just can't get dumber. And here's another quote by Donald Trump. He said, "America will never be a socialist country." Trump's point is that he and other Americans must fight hard to prevent socialism from being established here. So now we go from it's never going to be here. It's all over Europe in the early 1900s uh, and Marxism was spreading like wildfire over there. But it was never a thing here in America because people just had it too good. And so now we have socialists in the country. And, and I understand why that is, honestly. There is crony capitalism. You know, there are a lot of problems. What socialists don't understand is that you don't hate, you know, people who, um, you know, you don't you don't hate capitalists. You know, capitalists invent things, they create things. You want to be a capitalist, like you're the socialist, but you actually want to be a capitalist. Like you want to go and create music, but you have these hippies out here are trying to make music. They don't realize that no one's going to care about your music in a socialist country. So actually, it, socialists are very confused, and they re- need to realize that. You actually enjoy capitalism. Like capitalism is a good thing. But what you don't like, and let me just teach you socialists out there, what you don't like is crony capitalism. And crony capitalism is socialism because it utilizes the state's power and legalities to create monopolies. And that's what a cartel is called. A cartel is an organized monopoly where there's an oligarchy of companies that come together and they set prices, they set regulations and rules so that they, the the few, can make all the money and dominate the market while suppressing the small guys. That's exactly what's happening now with the social media cartel. You could call social media giants a cartel, right? Because they have, they organize not only to censor people and stuff, but they've organized that even good ideas and good other social media companies have been established. They are now swallowing and buying up those social media companies, or their uh, maybe their apps or something. The Apple App Store is banning apps. You can't even have apps from the Apple Store because Apple just is banning them because they see them as a threat. So there's so much going on here, you know, and. I'm reading this uh, comment there. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not exactly sure. Oh, right. So exactly, yeah, socialism in society. So there is forms of socialism in society, and they they suck. Uh, like, for example, the veterans, um, the VA, right? The VA has a, a, a hospital and medical Medicare system that takes care of the all the veterans in the country, right? So all the all the veterans, they have access to the VA. Well, as we know, the VA just, you know, became corrupt. It became 
just slow and it sucked and there was no innovation and everybody was, you know, again, the VA had only espoused and the same thing with the medical tyranny that we live in now, but the VA was only able to pay for or cover uh, expenses for healthcare that they thought was good. That's the, that's the key about, about universal healthcare, the, the big lie is that you, we can see forms of socialism already in the country, right? People can point, well, the military is socialist because, you know, they pay, they have paid housing, they have paid this. And it's kind of like, okay, well, that's totally different because they're actually serving the country. They're defending the country, right? And, and not only that, but have you looked at a military barracks recently? Like, do you want to live there? Have you experienced the VA? If there's any veterans on here that are, that are here watching, you know, comment now. Does the VA suck or what? I mean, why would people even want to instill that in our private industries? It doesn't make any sense. You want freedom in private industries for competition, for growth. So again, just, you know, just responding to that comment there. But we do have to fight to defeat this socialism and stuff. We do have to. That's why he wrote this book. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I actually listened to the whole book and now, now I'm sitting here reading it because it was so good. I had to, I had to buy it. And so again, why do you think a guy like Dinesh D'Souza wrote a book about socialism? Why do you think he bothered with it? You know, if it's not a big deal and it's, oh, it's not even here. It's like he wrote a book about it because he realized it is important. You know, he realized that there are really, this is what we have to defeat. We have to defeat this. We have to destroy it. (laughs) It's like, once we destroy socialism and, and, and communism, what Reagan even talked about in the 80s, we have to destroy it and, and literally bury it. Like it cannot be tolerated. It, it is a system of oppression and control that is the antithesis of the American system. Now, again, I believe in the First Amendment. So freedom of speech. Someone wants to be a, a, a socialist and run around and you know espouse Karl Marx, who was, a, again, like I mentioned earlier, Karl Marx. A couch surfing couch potato who did nothing. I mean, he had to. He had his friends pay his rent for him. He had to live. He lived in London because he was banished from other countries because his ideas sucked, and they were like, you know, a, having a populate population revolution in different areas of Europe. They literally had to ban him. I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. It's just that's why they decided. He ends up in London writing for you know the London Times and stuff, and writing these articles and all this you know stuff about his his ideas and stuff. The dude couldn't pay his rent. He was a loser. And so, but that that dude rules us from the grave. He his ideas rule us. And if you haven't read his theories and stuff, you you've got to read this stuff. I mean, this is the stuff we have to destroy. Um and so anyway, the, this book is good by the way. If you read this book, then he goes over a lot of those arguments and he 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 just destroys them. So there's there's this book. I'm not even just talking about this book though. I'm just referencing different things that I that are know are true. So how did America – this is a really good question to ask everybody. How did America become great in the first place? It would seem that this quality, the spirit that built America is what we are trying to conserve and revive. Think about that. We're trying to conserve and revive what makes America great. That is what we're trying to do. And there, it, it, and America is great. The founding, the system, the, the whole thing. Read the Constitution. Have you ever read it before? Have you ever read the Declaration of Independence? I mean, like people don't even know what the hell, you know, we don't even, they don't even know the country they live in. And then they have, then they definitely have no idea what they want to destroy. And then they definitely, definitely don't know, have, they don't have no clue what they want to build on top of their destruction. So again, this is, we have to destroy this before it happens. It's a fight for the, it's a fight for ideas. And the left has, the left, the left has lost 
the war of ideas. That's why you see anarchists running around in the streets using violence to intimidate people because that's the final stage of ideological failure is violence. We should be celebrating the violence. We should look at it as weakness because it is. It's complete weakness. I mean, again, uh, and I compliment, I commented on somebody's post earlier talking about how, you know, it's, it's, it's a cousin of mine and and, you know, she's a family member and so she's saying how, oh, there are a bunch of Trump supporters out there and, you know, they're really going to vote for him again and they think he's so great and you have to realize that he, he you know, he's, he's very popular, you know, and she's, she's a Democrat. She doesn't like Trump. But she's making – she said something that's very true, that there are a lot of Trump supporters out there, right? And so I made a comment and I should – I actually might post it on my Facebook, just the whole comment because – and this isn't about Democrat, Republican, but Democrats who, who are real, you know, political people. I'm just talking about political people. Like Democrats need, they need a self-evaluation. I think they need to stop attacking Trump. And if you're a Democrat listening to this now, you, you, have, you have to stop attacking Trump. It's, it's just a losing argument because there are Obama voters in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin that voted for Trump. So you attacking Trump is not going to help you win over those votes. You have to self-evaluate. I'm trying to help the Democrats here. You need to self-evaluate and realize what is your party doing? Who are the leaders of your party? What is the future of the party? Do you Are you a socialist? Are you a communist? These are the questions that real hardcore Democrats need to ask themselves because if they don't, they will never win elections. They're going to have to use fraud like the mail-in ballots and all this other garbage that they're trying to do to win the election, like illegal immigrants voting and all this stuff. It's pathetic. The left has totally lost their minds. And I feel genuinely bad for people like myself who are classical liberals who really don't care too much about what people are doing with their body or doing what the hell. But we've there's no party for, for people like me. And so you have to realize, and the Republican Party, just for the just for credits, just to have credit where credits do is is weak and frail and old and you know just a dying party as well trump is just a populist who revitalized politics period just revitalized politics and so and again i'm going to re reiterate this but any democrat who's listening to this you need to start asking yourselves real questions who are the leaders in your party like what the f is going on in your party like can you not have any critique of your own party can you stop looking at trump and literally start thinking about yourself and and ask the real questions like dude how do we revitalize this party without becoming completely communist and socialist and staying in a moderate way where we can attract people who voted for trump that's the question you need to ask yourself but democrats aren't doing that they're just going to go for mail-in ballots they're just going to go for the fraud they're just going to go for violence and it's just it's it's just it's sad it's sad because there are a lot of good people involved and there are a lot of good people who are democrats but again it's just it's just it's very sad to witness what's going on in that direction and and how they're how they're carrying out their operation but let me continue reading this most americans take the basic amenities of modern life for granted what's the big deal growing up in a country that lacked all these basic things however i have a special appreciation for them this is the author Dinesh D'Souza, who is actually a, uh, an Indian. From, he's an Indian immigrant from India. He says, I know what life is like without them. This is the, all the amenities of America. I also know that not so long ago, Americans didn't have them either. So this is all the amenities of life. In fact, America was one of the poor backward countries. It was still largely rural and agricultural at the time of its founding. 
So true. So again, how did America become so powerful? This is the question I'd ask here. Then in relatively short order, America became the most productive and prosperous nation in the world. Maybe people should look at that and be like, how the fuck did that happen? Instead of just bashing it and having revisionist history and just deciding that it, nothing was good from it, you know? So again, just it's, it's a basic common sense thing. So, um, okay, here we go. That has been termed the American century. Let's talk about the 20th century. The century of unquestioned American dominance and America remains to this day the world's most powerful, innovative, and prosperous societies. Again, very true. So he continues to, to go on and he says, I want to show the secret of American success, how America became rich, not just through inventing this or that, but by creating a mechanism for innovation and growth. The invention of invention. This is the genius of the American Revolution and of the American founding. In America, conservatism means conserving the principles of the American Revolution. This means that we are heirs to a revolutionary tradition and rebellion. Change and making our own destiny are all in our political DNA. So I want you to consider that for a moment. This is the message that needs to be understood with everybody, okay? That America created a mechanism, as he says, for innovation and growth. What about America made innovation and growth a possibility? Well, I can tell you. It's individualism. It's the fundamental belief, which was discovered by NASA, okay, where 98% of people born, despite your race, color, creed, have creative genius within them. That fundamental idea, now that science has proven that to be true, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator, not just with unalienable rights, but literally with creative genius, that is what the American system is all about. The American system is dedicated to the genius that lives in all of us. The belief that all people are equal and that by having individualism and having capitalism, we can establish an environment of growth and prosperity. And where there are monopolies and crony capitalism that occurs in the country, we must acknowledge and destroy them, either through antitrust legislator, legislation like we did with the Rockefellers in 1911, or in ways ideologically, or with the vote of our dollars. So you have to re recognize that that's what makes America so awesome. It was this totally insane idea that individuals actually had the creativity and the possibility within them. Individuals are the ones who create things that could have never been created, who invent things that have never been thought of. It is the individuals that come into an industry, come into an environment, and make dramatic changes, and, and do, do so while being called crazy, while being called the underdog. That is what America is all about. And so this book, 
goes into that. I'm just telling you this from my own perspective. And so that's just, again, going to move on, but we're 22 minutes in. But he, uh, he goes on to say, the self-made man, which was coined by Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, okay, thus America is re responsible for the greatest of all inventions, one that makes Americans recognizably distinct everywhere in the world, and one that gives a thrilling immediacy to each American life. The idea of self-invention. So again, I'm quoting, but it, it's kind of the same idea of what I'm telling you. So history from below, the roots of American prosperity and of American self-invention could scarcely be more important, yet, oddly enough, they are completely ignored in the curriculums and classrooms of American schools and in the media. Very true. I learned little or nothing about them at Dartmouth, he says, and now, a generation later, young people are comparably clueless about them. It's very true. Why is this the case? Because the history that I learned then and they learn now is progressive history. History from the progressive viewpoint. So he says history from below. And there's a very famous book. It's a bestseller. It's called A People's History of the United States. I don't know if you've seen it everywhere. It's, it's promoted all over Amazon. It's at every Barnes & Noble. And it's very, very crucial because Howard Zinn, who's the author, purports to show the discovery of America from the viewpoint of the Arawaks, the Constitution from the standpoint of the slaves, the Civil War as seen by the New York Irish, the Mexican War from the angle of deserting servicemen, the rise of industrialism as experienced by women working in the Lowell textile mills, the two world wars as seen by socialists and pacifists, and post-war America's role in the world as seen by peons in Latin America. Essentially, Zinn, the, the author of that book, uses the victim's perspective to generate an anti-American narrative, one that is not confined to the academic sphere, but has now spread virus-like through the culture. So important, guys. Precisely that same animus is behind New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's recent assertion, we're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. So uh, this victimology, this is very important. This is, this is victimology history trying to tell us how bad America is, how it's the end of America, how we need to destroy America, how it's no good anymore. This victimology has now reached the point of parody. How can Einstein's equations be viewed from the perspective of the illiterate? How did Patton's military conquests appear from the viewpoint of a crow? My reaction then, as now, to this whole approach of identity politics was to some degree one of indifference. One of indifference. The founders, as we'll see, shared my lack of concern. So again, he's he's just destroying this idea that there is that it's more important to look at history from a victimology perspective. That to me is just ridiculous. It's backwards and reverse thinking. I'm not saying that just the winners are going to write history, but what I'm saying is people need to recognize that there's real truth about the world and the way it was, and especially with America's founding and American history. And then there's this fantasy of America being this evil empire, as I mentioned in my description of the live video. Progressive history tends to take America's wealth for granted and merely focuses on the issues of who has it, who doesn't, and how lavishly it is spent. Very good way to wrap up progressive history. It's this, again, the idea, the idea that it's all about, you know, 
class structures. It's a Marxist theology that goes into our history and reviews our history as a, in America from a Marxist point of view. And then that then is indoctrinated into essays and books that are read to children at colleges and universities all over the country. So all over the country, people are getting this download, this program of America as an evil empire. And that is what we have to realize. That's what young people actually think. So we have to destroy it and we have to destroy it with logic and common sense and real history. That's the kind of stuff that go that happens on this podcast. Like I just tell you the truth about stuff. You know, as as much as I might know. Okay. So there was genius in the American founding for sure, right? And President John F. Kennedy captured this genius when he was quoted as saying this. And y'all can even write this down or something, but this is the most he's, – he's quoted – this is a, a Nobel Prize winner dinner in the White House. So he's in the White House. This is John F. Kennedy. He says, this is the most extraordinary collection of talent, of human knowledge that has ever been gathered together at the White House with the possible exception of when Thomas Jefferson dined alone. So, of course, he's referencing Thomas Jefferson who is the author, if you didn't know, which nobody knows anything anymore – of the Declaration of Independence and was also crucial in the Constitution of the United States. So this is capturing the idea of our founders, that they were. They were brilliant. They were scholars. They were merchants. They were in the business class. They had Some of them had wealth. Some of them were not as wealthy. They all had differences. They all had you know different opinions and ideas for the country, for, for how the, the future was going to be you know, taken, taken and, or, or how the future was even going to be um, unfolded and how the country would even be. So this is just amazing because, again, I, I really recommend reading the book because I'm going to close the podcast here in a minute. But, you know, the founders of the country were really just – they were the obviously the antithesis of Karl Marx. Like they were not couch potatoes. They were ben, – Benjamin Franklin was an inventor. I mean he was a legend. Uh, you know, and George Washington also a legend, you know, a farmer, a, a, an inventor as well. And somebody who has uh, innovated in different ways. That was before the revolution even happened. And then later became the president of the United States. And so there's just so much there that is so important that people need to realize. And I'm just I'm just really like – we have to realize that it's not really like I mentioned in the description. It's not really Trump versus Biden. It's it's capitalism versus communism. It's, it is the destruction of the country or it is built upon – a future, and I'm gonna get into that. I'm probably gonna get into that in my next live video that I'll do. I'm gonna go over um, some some key points about how we can build in the future, how we can really establish ourselves and build America back up to revitalize Americanism, American exceptionalism, and to squash all this resentment and these lies about what America is and what America was. And so that's the importance of today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please leave a comment. Share this, direct message it, whatever you got to do on Facebook. I really appreciate you guys watching. You are amazing. Please give me a call sometime. Shoot me a text, whatever. Those of you who are already in contact with me, you know, don't uh, hold back anything. Definitely feel free to reach out. Other than that, you guys are amazing. Have a great rest of your day. Peace.